Holly, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I'm Andrew. And look, it's Andrew back again. Well, I heard we were going to spend all episode talking about Warhammer, so I had to come back. Uh, well, it's just, it's going to be Warhammer. It's going to be Warhammer with Aaron, Polly, Wayne, and Andrew. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh. That's, 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 that's the whole schmear. I, I was ill prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you bought your Warhammer, uh, you know, armies and whatnot, Paul, and you've been painting on them, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you read the 230 page primer on, on the Warhammer universe, I sent you, right? Of course. No. There that's we right. go. That every player has to read. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I, 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 I'll, I'll do better. <laughs> Make sure That's that okay. You... In a couple of months, I'm sure they'll release a new version. You'll just have to buy the new version and read it. You can wait for that. <laughs> there we go. I'll, I'll be ready for the for the season two. Of uh... <laughs> uh, sure two yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> so well, you know, it's been a it, what? I said hit it. Go. What? Do Don't rush me. Yeah, do it. Do no, it. I, it has to be natural. Now it feels unnatural. I feel awkward. <laughs> a little bit. Awkward. Yeah, well, okay. you know, it's been a slow news week, um, but you know, we, we there's a couple of HBO Max related news items to, to chat about before we go into quite. Actually, it looks like we have a lot of comments to talk about this week. Um, you know, so my dad calls me last night, and I'm like, what does my dad want? Like yeah. like at like nine o'clock on a Saturday night, I'm like, oh, eight o'clock on a Saturday night, I'm like, what does my dad want? So I pick up. He's your like, dad hey. is the sweetest man. I would be happy to get a phone call from your dad at nine o'clock. <laughs> I'm gonna have my dad call you at nine o'clock. Please night. do, please do. <laughs> Big Paul and I will spend a lot of time talking about you. I think and Paul's what, big... what a huge, huge disappointment you are, Paul, to both of us. Paul's big fear is that one of these. These calls one of these times is going to be his dad finding our back catalog and all the Pops, no. Paul's mom's jokes. Ah, uh, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> the um, no, he he called and he's like, "Hey, do you have HBO Max?" And I'm like, "Oh, I know where this conversation's going." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, here's the password. Here's the username." He's like, "Okay." So he calls back. He's like, "I." He's like, "Is it is it through Amazon?" I'm like, "No, no, no." He's like, I'm like, it's a separate app. He's like, well, I'm looking for it. I'm like, where are you looking for it? He's like, on Roku. And I'm like, oh, HBO Max still doesn't have a deal with Roku, so you can't access it. And he's like, okay. Uh, so I'll just watch it on my computer. I'm like, well, you can probably, you can stream from your phone to your Roku. Um, you know, you can stream HBO Max from your phone to your Roku. Like, just do the AirPlay thing. Like an animal. Like an animal. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, like he tried, and, and then he calls me back. I mean, now we're in the nine o'clock range. We're back and forth. And he's like, I, it's not working. HBO Max, it, it won't even let you stream to a Roku stick from your phone. Like, that's how restrictive HBO is for, for Roku. They are, like, very anti-Roku. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Man. Like, they, 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 uh, why haven't they figured out this freaking deal? Like, if they haven't figured out that you need to be on Roku and Amazon and every platform available, like, you know, they're I just going to fail I, like Quibi. Quibi. I, well, I don't, I don't understand that either. Uh, because HBO Max is an awfully successful platform, and they've got a, a ton of content. I don't understand why they're not on more devices. Well, and are they yeah. actually successful, or are they just... They just have well, a lot they, of content. They, they, they're telling us they're successful just the way Netflix tells us they're successful. Fair. Because, uh, you know, this week Quibi shut down, too, supposedly as a, after a successful launch. Um, they announced that they were shutting down like over a billion dollars in investment just thrown out the window. Now, yeah. I, I, it does not surprise me that Quibi went away because, you know, that was weird. Yeah. And the only person I know who's watched any Quibi is Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and also, you know, Quibi, Quibi was designed to be watched on your phone, right? Short little yeah. burst while you're, right. you have a minute. And, of course, right after they launched, the pandemic hits, and right. suddenly people aren't out on their phones all the time. Everyone's at home in front of yeah, their it was, TV. It was designed for commuters. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And yeah, honestly, I mean, I have... even at that, it failed, I would say. <laughs> Maybe if they had good content, but everything I watched on it was, meh, that was fine. Yeah, I have a general I, rule. It doesn't matter how good the content is. If I can't get an app on my TV for it, I'm not going to subscribe because I'm not going to stream it from another device onto the TV or go through the hassle of plugging in the HDMI cable for my laptop. Well, I, I got to say, want a button. the new Google TV uh, for Chromecast 
is fantastic. I love the interface. Uh, and I have really, it has really uh, brought up my enjoyment of uh, HBO Max and, and other uh, streaming apps that I use. I, I'm really very much enjoying that. Hmm. Um, you know, along the lines of HBO Max, I have not finished Lovecraft Country yet. In fact, I'm on, I think I'm on episode seven. And I have been dodging spoilers all week. I, 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 uh, I know that there's some sort of horrible ending and I have been dodging it all week long. You know, I just have. Saying. I only saw the um, the first episode. I would like to watch the rest of it. I just haven't actually gotten around to it. It's. I got to tell you, as a uh, white guy of a certain age, it's a hard show to watch because uh, if there is a bad guy present in it, it's white guys of a certain age. <laughs> so I I, I, I feel uh, I, I it, it is awfully awfully hard to watch at times uh, on how uh, on on how bad white people are in this show and in history it just it's a it's a it's a rough watch but it sure is good and in your house (laughs) (laughs) i am sure i will get around to watching it um i just haven't yet uh because i mean i I figured i'd just wait till the season was over so i mean i'm very much looking forward to it do we know if there's a second season planned or i i have not heard i've been avoiding news though so i i couldn't tell you i couldn't tell you but i i have lovecraft country is with the exception of one episode, I have thought has been exquisitely written, um, and and so far a big thumbs up. Now, my only one of my problems, you know, going back to the HBO Max conversation, part of my issue with HBO Max is that it is um, not 4K, like it only goes up to 1080p, and so if a show is available in 4K, the only way to watch it is if you have Amazon, HBO through your Amazon. So it's you know it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting that you know they need to they need to shape up that hbo max <laughs> programming but there's some stuff coming there was some some hbo max news this week uh like i mentioned so this week it was um confirmed the, these aren't just like random rumor tweets from some guy named doomcock on reddit um the, <laughs> uh, that Jarrett leto will be returning to play the joker and joe manganiello will be returning to play deathstroke in the upcoming uh, Zack snyder justice league miniseries for hbo max which um Ugh. you know now they're confirming is like a 70 million dollar budget and i gotta say you know with that budget in mind for me every returning every cast member that's been confirmed to return seems kind of batman related whether it's mm-hmm. ben affleck or Jared leto or joe manganiello and the original planned Batman movie that Ben Affleck was going to do was going to be um, Batman versus Deathstroke, like you know, based on loosely based on Arkham Asylum, the, the the video game. I'm I'm wondering if they are backdoor piloting something with what they're filming. Well, it seems like they're shooting a a ton of new content for this thing, mm-hmm. where instead of you know restoring cut footage and just shoring up a couple of scenes. I mean, it seems like they're shooting a whole new movie. Well, well and that's... it's going to be hugely successful. Just ask them and all the Snyder Cut people. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, they, they will never say anything to indicate that it wasn't a huge success. You know, I, and I'm sure you're right. But I, I think, I don't think this is the Snyder Cut, right? And I think that was part of, a, you know, the misnomer that the Snyder Cut was never really finished, which we knew. Um, you know, special effects weren't done, you know, pickup footage, that kind of thing. But I don't think that's what this has turned into. I think this no, has I turned agree. into now Zack Snyder's like, well, why don't you give me some more money? I will film more and we can open up for additional franchise opportunities since this is the next decent thing that's going to come out. I could probably set up, you know, we could film some footage that'll set up for your future movies, you know, set up in that universe. So, I mean, I, I really feel like this is turning into a, hu- a bigger thing. No, I agree. I, I, I think that, that there is a lot of scope creep here. Uh, and and they they've reset the table on what this is actually going to be. Scope creep, like I'm at work. Don't yeah, use work terms is. on my comic book podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's double click on that, Aaron. Uh, uh, hey, Paul, I, I'm going to need you to move this over to a Teams meeting. Oh no. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, it. it I, I, you know, I could. Jared Leto wasn't clearly not my favorite joker um but joe mingan yellow is deathstroke like i always thought that was great casting so i'm I'm kind of excited about that announcement actually 
And if we can back up to Jared Leto, not uh, just not my favorite Joker, but literally my least favorite Joker. <laughs> yeah, he's literally also... like the, the, the guy uh, in Times Square, uh, you know, who charges 10 bucks for a picture with Joker is a is a preferred Joker over Jared Leto. Just <laughs> there are people dressed up at Comic Con who are better Jokers than Jared Leto. Oh, yeah. he's, he's by far my least favorite. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. I'm actually looking at the history of Joker actors, and yeah, you're probably not wrong. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> except for the guy from Gotham in the corner, and he doesn't even have lines, and he still would be a better Joker. <laughs> I'll take the guy from Batman '66 with uh, with the mustache, Cesar Romero. That's it. Thank him you. Up. Dig him up. Still a better joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's sticking with our Batman-related media. Uh, you know, they're they're uh, probably probably by the time folks are listening to this podcast, um, we will have a trailer for season three of Titans. Yeah, it's and it's it's coming next week, right? Well, the trail, yeah, the trailer releases on October twenty sixth, and and uh, you know, the, it, it's very, there's a very brief teaser that just says red uh, red hood on it. Right. Um, and you know shows I think a Nightwing symbol and stuff like that. So we're gonna get we're finally gonna have Nightwing in the show. You know that that happened in the season finale of season two, and we're gonna get some we're gonna get um, Jason Todd, uh, you know taking on the Red Hood role. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. never finished season two. Honestly, neither yeah, did I. I. <laughs> I. I did. I did. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's not the best thing on TV, but I I, I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It just got away from me because, yeah. it, you know, not to belabor the point that we were talking about, but because the shit's hard, to, you know, like I have right. to stream it for, from my phone to my whatever, you know, like it's not just like something I can load up. Yeah. I never well, finished the uh, Doom Patrol season two either, and I loved I, that show. I have not finished Doom Patrol season two either. There's just so much stuff to watch out there. There is. You know, and, and I mean, the, I can't even... Uh, Raised by Wolves. I have not finished Raised by Wolves yet. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not. It's good. It's not. <laughs> you were about great. to say fine. It's well. Fine. I mean, it, it is good. It's it's well produced. It's well acted. It's well written. I'm I I I'm engaged by it. But it, it's like I said. There's just so much stuff to watch right now. Yeah. You know, and I. It it really is sort of a, an embarrassment of, of wealth in terms of of genre media. I just, you know, you don't have time to watch all of it. Well, I'm glad you've prioritized Yellowstone. I said we're only a few weeks away from Mandalorian coming back, too. Not but we even. Are, we are exactly a week from Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah I mean, this coming Friday. Friday. And I'd like so to point excited. out, I am off on Friday. Oh. <laughs> I, I will be I, in Kentucky this week. I will be watching week. that at like 12.01. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will absolutely be watching Mandalorian. Uh, I'm like a, I'm going to watch it on my freaking iPad or something, because I'm going to be out of town. I'm, I, I am bringing my Fire Stick with me, though. Well, if you bring in a fire stick, you could probably just plug it into the TV. True, true. So that may be what I end up doing. So you know, uh, we've got we've got a list of comics we got to get through. <laughs> <laughs> Starting with Nightwing issue seventy five. You know, uh, we, we were just talking about Nightwing on Titans. Dick Grayson is back as Nightwing after the Joker War. And Aaron and Wayne picked up Nightwing issue 75, the oversized, deluxe, overpriced Extra Nightwing expensive. 75. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was I was eager to read this because it was a return to Nightwing. Uh, I was not a fan of when Dick Grayson shed the, the, the Nightwing character and became Grayson and uh, certainly wasn't a, a fan of after his head wound and he became Rick. Um and so hated was, the Dickie Boy costume. Yeah, and I, so I was I was eager to read this. And while I feel like Dan Jurgens has got a good handle on the character, one of the things I cannot bear is the artwork in the book. Um, the artwork is by um, doo -doo -doo, um, Travis Moore and uh, Ronan Cliquette. Um It has a very teen romance look to it. You know yeah. it. I, I think the, the backgrounds look good, but the faces don't. He looks the, so young and weird. Yeah, he looks like a teenager. Um, and, and like I said, you know, it's got this sort of teen romance look to any time. And not when, like, KG Beast is drawn. KG Beast looks appropriately 
you know, sinister and superhero-y, but anything featuring uh, Dick Grayson or, you know, his old days in the Titans, there is this very romanticized uh, sort of appearance to it that reminds me of those old Marvel romance books. Um, and I just can't stand it. I mean, it looks more Twilight than it does a, a Nightwing book. Um, I, this book spent a lot of time, you know, even though uh, Dick Grayson appears on the cover in his Nightwing costume, it spends a great deal of time with Dick Grayson trying to figure out what he wants to do. And so because he can't figure out what he wants to do, he's going to run around Gotham in his Dickie Boy costume. And yeah. that that ish, that issue his Dicky boy identity was resolved in the pages of Joker war. And what this book did is spent 75% of its time, him re evaluating decisions that he's already made, you know, that re arguing those decisions. Yeah, and you know, I well, I hated it. I hated that. I hated the costume. I did like his eventual reason for being resistant to it. I, I don't disagree, but I felt like all that of shouldn't that have been at 75 points into the book. It should have been yeah. right at the well, beginning. I mean, it, it's that whole delayed gratification. You see him on the cover in his Nightwing costume. I shouldn't have to wait until page 28 <laughs> for him to show up in his Nightwing costume. I just I was super annoyed by that. Um, yeah. And I was annoyed by him shutting down the other Nightwing. Yeah, that that seemed to. That 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 seemed a little strange to me. I don't understand why he didn't employ them as a team. That seemed the logical step, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like they are complete rookies. Yeah. And how many people have been brought into the Bat family in various costumes without the Bat family giving the lecture of, you can do this other ways by being a police officer or a firefighter or... Well, it, and it just it, didn't ring true. It seems like he completely invalidated their contribution. Yeah, you know? and, and I was like, "Wow, that's kind of a that's kind of a dick move, Dick." <laughs> you know? uh, I I I just I didn't like that we were relitigating that decision. I didn't care for much of the art in the book, and uh, I'm out on the Nightwing books. I was hoping I was going to be back into the Nightwing books, but I am hard out. I am going to get the next issue because of the ending. I want to see the KGB story wrapped up, and I think I'll probably be out after that. I'm gonna I'm gonna allow you to invest in that, Wayne, and tell me <laughs> how that ends up. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I'm I, out of Nightwing. I wanted to come back and just fall in love with the book again, and because I was a regular Nightwing reader before Rick Grayson thing, but it didn't bring me back. Other than like I said, I want to see the KGB story wrap up. So I had not planned on picking up Teen Titans number 46 because I haven't picked up any of the other Teen Titans books in this in this uh, volume. The other 45? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had planned on doing it, but Wayne pointed out that, hey, man, look at that awesome cover. Look, uh, Jonathan Kent's going to feature heavily in this issue. And so, uh, you know, I knew I know my good buddy Wayne would never steer me wrong. Right, Paul? Wayne would never steer us wrong. No, no, that's that's well, my job. <laughs> the description of the book was specifically uh, Jonathan Kent is back and he wants some answers about Robin. Yeah. So, so you know, uh, on Wayne's, you know, uh, recommendation. This was not I, a recommendation. Well, yeah, let's be fair. It was not a recommendation. He, he was duped just like the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, Wayne saved me because... Uh, between him posting that and then actually me having before I had a chance to buy it, he came back and said, no, 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 hold off. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I read it, I came back to try to stop you guys, but it was I, too late. I, I think that he waited until Paul and I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Wayne, tell me about this loser, loser book, Teen Titans. Yeah. So it's this whole they they give this sell selling point of this is Jonathan trying to come back and find out what happened. But when you actually start reading it, he's apparently been working with the Teen Titans to clean up their mess and looking for Damien during the process. But it's not there are no hard conversations between him and them. He's just somebody that's there fighting things. You don't get any real characterization from him until he finds a letter to him from Damien in a vault. And we never see what the letter says. He just burns it and leaves. And we get the rest of the book is all about the drama of these characters 
that I don't know a single one of them because, well, I take that back. I don't know any of them except for the Wallace West because I haven't read Teen Titans. I got this just for that. Well, I don't understand why uh, Jonathan is seeking Damien because Damien's been, you know, he took Damien into the future with him for Legion of Superheroes for a while. So I, I, I guess, I guess Damien preceded him in the return. Uh, I don't understand. It's almost like, you know, Damien's long and lost. I don't understand that. Yeah. Damien at this point has hung up the towel for being Robin, walked away, rejected Robin and Batman. Well, if Damien wants to find out why he's coming back from the future, why not just come back right before it happens? Yeah. Why come back afterwards and try to find him? Well, and he's Superman. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I feel like keeping the Titans company while they stop villains isn't like, I feel like, hey, man, just fly around the world using your X-ray vision and super hearing to see if you can find his heartbeat. Well, and wasn't Damien involved in Joker War? Didn't I see him fighting on the streets against the Jokers? No. No. No, that was Tim I, Drake. That was... Yep. Tim Drake back in a Robin costume. Yeah, so we still Damien don't... Damien did not answer the call. Yeah. So, you know, this... So, I've, you know, again, I haven't read any of this run of Teen Titans. So, it sounds like the Teen Titans have um, been taking villains and mind-wiping them. They changed their minds. Damien, you know, want, wanted the more extreme tactics. The rest of them didn't. So Damien quit, right? Um, and, you know, all that's left of the Teen Titans are four no-name-ass characters. Like fucking Lobo's daughter. Whoever the hell's Red Arrow anymore. Some blue dude. And, and Wally West Kid Flash. I'm like, this is like the West Coast Titans. Like, I guess the, the Titans uh, are West you, Coast. These are like the East Coast in. Titans. Huh? Andrew is hard in for West Coast Titans. <laughs> well, I guess oh, yeah. Titans by yeah, their nature are West Coast, right? That's where the T is. Yeah. So this West is like Side Titans. West Side Titans. This is so. I mean, this team is like so bad. Um, stringers. Yeah, <laughs> really. Like even the villains. I'm like, who are these? I guess Punchline. I knew, or not Punchline. Knockout. Um, but I don't know. This book was terrible. Um, there was well, the no. The best thing about the book was the cover. The, yeah. it's, it's a great yeah. cover. The art wasn't half bad either, you know, from G- Jesus Marino or Jesus Marino, however he pronounces it. The art wasn't bad, but th- this book was just useless. But uh, that, that Bernard Chang and uh, Marcelo uh, uh, Maialo cover, mm-hmm. I, that is a great cover. I mean, it's like it was it was an easy sell for for Wayne on me because that cover rocked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I do like some of the interior art, too. Like that, uh, I complained about Jonathan just burning the letter and us never finding out what it said. But the art of him holding the letter with his heat vision burning it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of good Jonathan scenes in here, but... Yeah, it just... It was such a huge disappointment because they sold me on the... Between the cover and the description, I thought, this is going to be awesome. He's going to take the titans the task and nay that did not happen that did not happen well paul and wayne really wanted to amp up the level <laughs> the of disappointing s- comics uh that the, the, they enjoyed this week which is why they both picked up batman 101 or did they in fact enjoy it well let's listen <laughs> i will say um i enjoyed it i i actually liked batman 101 more than i liked uh batman 100 but one thing that I will say about this issue is that it is literally the same comic as Iron Man number one. And we're about to talk about <laughs> Iron Man number two uh, here in a minute. Yeah. In that Batman has stepped back from his fortune. Luke Fox now has his fortune. And he wants to be a man of the people. So he's he's moving out of Wayne Manor and, getting, and he's moving into a loft in Gotham. And he's going to be more low-cost, low-rent Batman back to basics. You know, he, they, yeah. Luke Fox even says, you can't just, like, 3D print a Batmobile anymore. We, we can't. Because it's already been outed that Bruce Wayne was taking Wayne Foundation money, or Wayne Core money, and spending it on Batman. And so they can't really do that anymore. They're, they're under much more scrutiny. So, you know, it's, it's basically back-to-basics Batman, just like we had back-to-basics Iron Man in the pages of Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man. Yeah, very, very similar story. Um, you kind of go through and see. I I also didn't care for the fact that we start off with like 
multi-page fight with Grifter that has no actual purpose. Yeah, but Boy, I think yeah, here's the thing. I, I, I thought there was a stupid scene because Grifter's like, well, I just wanted to fight. I just wanted to see how he, how Batman is. Um, but I actually, like, the, the art on it was, was good. Like, it was a well-choreographed fight sequence. So I, I even though the scene was useless, I enjoyed um, it artistically. Yeah, it was extra useless because Lucius Fox told him Batman was coming. <laughs> like he is now Lucius's bodyguard, which I think was kind of cool that after what Lucius went through, he got a bodyguard. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. If he hadn't have told him that Batman was coming and Grifter just fought to keep him from there, then it wouldn't have been a pointless scene. But the whole fact that he was told Batman is coming and he went ahead with the fight just because he wanted to say he had fought Batman. I feel like every couple of years, DC tries to make Grifter a thing. Yeah. And and so, you know, I, I know that we were not uh, wild about, you know, previous attempts to... Uh, the Wild Storm make... relaunch? <laughs> uh-huh. so I'm not did, wild about did, it, quote unquote. How did Grifter uh, fare in, in this issue? I was just trying to find a way to bring Cat into the conversation since you're talking about Wild. Because uh, that was the last time Grifter was relevant was when he was in Wildcats. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, he did he he it was a it was more of a cameo, right? He had a couple of page fight sequence with Batman. He came across a bit as as a jerk. Um, but I, I I'm I like the like Wayne said, um, I like the idea of him being Lu, Lucius um, Lucius's bodyguard. So yeah. we'll see if that translates into something more. Well, then he comes back at the end for a little conversation with Batman saying he knows who he really works for. Yeah, Batman says he knows who he really works for. You know, and he's referring to the Halo organization from Wildstorm. Um, Yeah, no, I mostly got this just because I wanted to see what the new status quo for Batman was. And it gave me that. That's what I was looking for. Now I know the new status quo is going to be he's going to copy what Iron Man's doing over in Iron Man's book. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what was funny to me is, you know, we talked about how Batman has the conversation every every six months about, I'm sorry to alienate my family. You know, I won't do whatever I should have, again. I should have included you. I, sh- I should have included you. <laughs> I um, should keep secrets. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, but at the end of this issue, Batman asks Selina for some time <laughs> to figure asks, himself out. He asks who? Selina Kyle, a uh, Catwoman. Oh. Um, that, you know, he, he basically says, you know, now that I'm moving into the city, I'm going back to basics, I need some time to really, you know, I need to figure out how, basically, like Iron Man, I need to figure out who I am. And Selina Kyle says, I'll give you one year. And then, you know, then, then I'll come back and we'll, we'll pick up yep. and we, we need to make some decisions about our long-term future. And it's like, and then they go have sex. Yeah, and then they go have sex. But, you know, it's like, I'm very confused, Batman. I'm very confused. <laughs> you say, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> Batman is a fickle bitch. I'm just going to say it. Um, it, it. So, that being said, I'm interested in the status quo that is being established with Batman living amongst the city. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of... Um, not just Iron Man, but you know, like it, kind of a little bit of the, the the Batman animated series or something, right? Like he had that loft in the city, and it's. I, I will probably. I'm just gonna. I'll, I'll pick up Batman 102 because this this was really just establishing what's next, and Batman 102 will actually probably kick it off. Uh, so yeah. I, I'll pick it up because I want to see. I want to see what they're gonna do with you know Batman. I can't live in that manner. Alfred's associated with that manner. I need to be in the city. I need to be closer to it. And so I'm, I'm curious to see if he does if there if something interesting is done with that. Yeah, I, I am interested in seeing. See, I am interested in seeing a street level Batman again that doesn't have super tech. You know, getting back to the roots without having, you know, massive computer systems and everything just at his fingertips. Yeah. So I mean, so we've got, and, and you know, we're, we might as well just go ahead and talk about the book that we we've been referencing so frequently. Um, Iron Man issue two came out this week. Christopher Cantwell, art by Kafu, and uh, Andrew. I- I'm assuming you picked up Iron Man one and two. I did. I read both of them this week. And what are your thoughts? I have never uh, the the introspect kind of introspective uh, conflicted Tony Stark has never been my favorite Tony Stark. I've always enjoyed more the arrogant, hard charging Tony Stark. So this is obviously a book about much like Batman, apparently, 
uh, of Tony Stark reevaluating his life, you know, changing things, selling off all of his stock and, in, in, uh, you know, Stark Industries and resigning from the board, uh, moving across the country to New York. Uh, it, you know, there are parts that I really like about it. And there are like uh, all the pages where he's kind of navel gazing and trying to decide what is wrong with him and what he should do and what he should be. I, I find somewhat tedious, but I will say Patsy Walker is my favorite part of this book. Uh, I love how she just gives him no slack and is uh, really kind of his conscience uh, so far through this book as he kind of is like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'm to this or to that. And she's like, no, no, you got your ass kicked. No, no, you're still arrogant. <laughs> it's just a different type of arrogance. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love those parts of it, but they're they're definitely it's it's kind of a mixed bag for me. Yeah, I like that she called him on the fact that he's just basically trying to commit suicide so he can be remembered as a hero. Yeah, and it, it, I obviously was not reading when he went through this whole resurrection. Because uh, do they download him to a cloned body? Is that the is that the story? I think yeah, that's the impression I got. So Dan Slott was writing Iron Man before this, and I think the impression I got is that Tony Stark's brother killed him, and then Tony Stark basically became reborn into a clone body kind of thing, basically like what's happening in X Men. Uh, maybe he used Krakoa. Who knows? Because uh, I didn't, read it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that was one thing that Tony grapples with with in this issue. In that, much like all the X Men, much like Jean Luc Picard, Tony Stark is now <laughs> reborn in the body of his clone, um, and he's having a crisis of conscience. And you know, he wants to be a hero again, even if it means sacrificing himself. And he's kind of going out of his way to to put himself in in scenarios where he could sacrifice himself just to feel like a real boy again. Yeah, I have to say that scenario in this one, I hated those, that couple panels, yeah. because they describe this fear is made of 32% vibranium, 26% adamantium, and 41% iron. And he runs full power into this thing, push, you know, punching his fist through it. His armor should not have been able to penetrate that. The vibranium content alone would have absorbed the kinetic energy. And this isn't a modern costume of his. He's wearing an old costume. Right. So I, I could see if he was in a newer costume and had some sort of uh, special tech to it or something. I could see an Iron Man costume being able to punch an arm through this thing. I just don't buy the old costume being able to do that. Well, and really, my question is, where did Cardiac get a giant sphere of adamantium and vibranium? Yeah, with no, like, doors or anything, because it's just solid. Yeah. yeah. How did yeah. he get them in there? Um, yeah, exactly. And so that being said, I... How he pokes the hole through? Because that just pokes a hole that doesn't peel back the rest of it, and they're not going to fit through a hole where his broken arm is. And I, I will that, say, that... A cab, uh, seeing Cardia, or Cardiac again was nice. Like, I, I used to like Cardiac back in the old David Michelin... Um, Spider-Man days. Yeah, yeah. It, it just makes no sense. Uh, I, I'm assuming that maybe with the you know, revelation of Korvac, maybe this will make more sense in the third issue. But uh, in this issue, the whole cardiac uh, uh, scheme and plan makes zero sense for on multiple levels. So I will say, you know, having read both issues now, I feel like I feel like I'm done. Um, you know, the, the first issue established a status quo that was interesting. And now that I'm seeing what they're doing with the status quo, I'm less interested. So I think I'm actually out of, of the Iron Man book after issue two. I'm willing to give it a third issue just because on the on the final page when they tease about, you know, the big Korvac is going to reveal that he's behind everything. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see what's going on, because why is Korvac screwing with Tony Stark? Why is he orchestrating these things in Tony Stark's life? Uh, yeah. So I'm very I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for a third issue because I want hopefully some answers to those questions. I'm with you, Andrew, for both that reason and I just really like Patsy Walker. Patsy Walker is the best part of this book. She, was, she is the best part of that of the book. I will absolutely agree with that. Yeah, and but, I've not uh, I've not seen a lot of Patsy Walker since I read Hellstorm back in uh, back in the day, so. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I'm out. Um, Aaron, did you actually pick it up or were, are you already out? I was already out. Okay. Iron Man Iron Man 1 was enough for me. Oh. Yeah, but you know what, Paul? What? If, if you're hopping out of Iron Man, I think what you need to do is hop into Fantastic Four and hop in with issue number 25. Because let me tell you, all kinds of stuff 
happens in Fantastic Four twenty five. You know, so yeah. Wayne, let me read this with me, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, the, on Fantastic Four number twenty five, I will say there was a lot of talk about it this week, and I almost picked it up, and then I just kind of forgot. So it's a fantastic me. book, uh, written by fantastic- Dan Slott. Yeah, it's a fantastic book, and big things for the Marvel Universe happen at the end. Yeah. And, you know, it's It's written by Dan Slott with terrific artwork by R.B. Silva in the first story, Paco Medina in the second story, and uh, Will Robson in the third. And tons of stuff happened here. Andrew, you read it as well, right? I did not. I've kind of been avoiding – I wondered how much it tied into Empire and if I need to read Empire to really get much out of it. So so actually, here's a question. As someone who hasn't read Empire or anything related to it, could I just step into Fantastic Four 25 and feel at home? Yeah, I think you definitely can. Um, I think the only thing that you would be asking questions about is who are these kids that Alicia and Ben have adopted? Uh, But I think that that's – probably pretty easily explained in the narrative were they, uh, the, uh, were they like the Cree kids that were fighting each correct. other yeah, yeah the Cree one yeah. Cree, okay. one scroll yeah and they've adopted them and you know they're they're you know sending them off to school and you know dealing with those things that you know new parents uh, have to deal with and very enjoyable pages and I gotta tell you I I loved this book from beginning yeah. to end this I mean you know, Dan Slott's a fantastic Spider-Man writer. I think that he is less successful as an Iron Man writer, but he absolutely understands Fantastic Four. Yeah. Well, and one of the things we've complained about with other characters, even in this episode, is the they never learn from their mistakes. They always keep doing the same thing. And we do see some of that with this of Reed has a secret that he's had for all of these years, but we see them actually learn something from well, it. And the, and the thing that I also really liked about that, Wayne, is that, you know, it's always Reed's got a secret and yeah. God damn it, Reed. Well, what I liked is Sue had a secret, too. Yeah. And, and it went back to the book that we loved. It. Yeah. Well, and they, and they both call each other on it. Right. And and they reconcile about it. And I mean, there's actual real conversation. I, yeah. How long have you been doing this? How long have you been working with Nick Fury doing secret spy missions? Yeah. How long were you at the Illuminati? Yeah, I mean it's it it was it was really very good. Uh, nice appearance by Doctor Doom. Uh, I I think Doctor Doom is used to great effect in this book. Yeah, you know I love that Sue rem- like Sue calls back to the last time she saw him. She made his mask invisible on live TV, mm-hmm. and so she's afraid of what he's going to do. But we've seen growth in the Doctor Doom book. Right. That I see recognized here in this. Yeah. So it is not like she's just remembering the last time she saw him. But we know the character has been through more since that. You know, one of the things that I complained about over in the Superman book recently is the creation of a new big super villain for Superman who, you know, I didn't care for it. You know, wasn't written well, wasn't drawn well. You know, I didn't feel like there was any part of that 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 was interesting in relation to Superman. Well, here in this issue, we've got a new cosmic threat to the Fantastic Four. And I liked this character immediately. You know, I I was I was immediately going, oh, well, what's going on with this guy? Whereas in the Superman book, I couldn't care less. Uh, And I I love any time we see Doom and the Fantastic Four have to team up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you've got everybody's got good, a good amount of screen time in this book. All of the characters are well handled, including the extended cast of Valeria, Franklin and a huge development with Franklin's character. And I tell you what, Wayne, I don't think we should spoil anything here other than perhaps, uh, you know, we didn't get just one Nick Fury in this book. We got two Nick Furies and A Return of the Watcher. Uh, Uh And I think, yeah. And I mean, this book was terrific. And I think it's a great jumping on point. I think it's a a nice, exciting place for new readers to come in for this next round of Fantastic Four stories. You know, and I love the Nick Fury and Watcher conversation. Yeah. Because they call back to, you know, well, the Watchers put you here to watch and not interfere. You've done a terrible job at that because here's all the things you've done. And yeah. it calls back to like, I read that Exiles book and, you know, and then we get to see Nick Fury again in a form other than the unseen. Yeah. 
it, I was excited for what we'll see next to get yeah. original Nick Fury back. Yeah. Well, and I, I just I, I I felt like the pages with Nick Fury and the Watcher were a nice catch up for everything that's happened for, you know, for those of us who haven't read all those stories since original sin. Yeah. And I'll uh, be honest, I have missed the watcher. Every time they've given us the unseen, yeah. he's never felt right in the role when they've tried to put him in like the watcher would have been. Oh, yeah. I'm here to watch this because this is going to be important. It never felt the same as when they did it with the watcher. Yeah. I do hope that he uh, gets his hair back. Uh, Nick Fury, because <laughs> uh, bald Nick, bald Nick Fury, uh, uh, you know, original Nick Fury bothers me. I, I, I need him to get, get some some hair back or, you know, wear a hat or something. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, this is a great book, guys. I, yeah. I cannot recommend it enough. Well, I, I love think- the book. There's a lot of major happenings, a lot of character growth, and we end up getting Nick Fury back. Well, well, I think you you talked me into it. I yeah. will I will definitely pick it up and check it out. I purchased it while we were talking. Well, while you were talking about it. Um, now, I, I don't have the credibility this week. I understand. <laughs> you burned me once, Wayne. Um, but I recommended this one after reading it. That's true. <laughs> well, I will say, I wish I had bought this book instead of the god awful piece of shit that Werewolf by Night turned out to be. Um, yeah, wow! Wow. What did you like it? Well, no. So I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't have that strong of a negative reaction to it. I, yeah, you know, I, I almost quit I halfway like into it. it. I, I didn't really? like it, but I didn't hate it. It, reads, it was just okay. God, I no! I thought it was terrible. I'm like, this is like one of the. This is like a Xenoscope book on its worst day. No way, man. Yeah. Oh, I That's hated harsh. this. That is really that is harsh. harsh. This was amateur hour on the art, on the writing. Nothing about this book did I enjoy. But go ahead. Well, you guys enjoyed it more than me. Well, let's let's say what it is. So, you know, it's it's a reimagining, a rebooting, if you will, of Werewolf by Night. It was written by Taboo, which, as we talked about last week, is the guy from Black Eyed Peas. And B. Earl. And someone, right. Whoever I don't know is. who that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with, in, with a gem from the moon. It's no. a Native American curse, apparently. Passed well, Werewolf by Night was never a Moonstone guy, was he? That wasn't that Moonwolf. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll point, Get your we'll werewolf character straight. <laughs> well, no. so I just, I just, you know, I didn't want to get letters. So, right. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, in the arts by Scott Eaton. So, uh, you know, like I said, let's start with the first page where someone's hunting a rabbit with a 50 caliber rifle. Right there, I'm already like, what? What the hell's going on here? Who who hunts rabbits with a 50 yeah. caliber rifle? Well, they describe it. They're not. Tr- they don't want to eat it. They want to see it explode. Yeah, I mean, you could do that with like a explode uh, him to death. Yeah, you could do that with a much smaller caliber rifle and watch him explode. It's uh, yeah. Anyway, but it wouldn't be as awesome. So let's talk about Wayne. What parts of this bi- book did you find the most offensive? Oh, um. The last last page. Yeah, yeah. These these new villain the uh, the one the villain in the data center with these things coming out of his head. Pathmind. Yeah. Yeah, Pathmind was awful. I think yeah, the villains would be the most offensive to me because I actually liked some of the character interactions between uh, him and his. I don't know if it's his sister or I don't think it's his sister or girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, I think it's his girlfriend Actually, because, you know, the mom refers to them having kids. So if it's yeah. his oh, sister. Yeah. <laughs> Granny, Granny Aurora makes a reference to maybe someday your kids will, you know, can learn if you write down what you learn about the werewolf. If you write down, maybe one day your kids will be able to use that to, you know, be able to cope better. Well, and they're like, they're like, Grandma. Well, you know, yeah, in I retrospect, like scene. I like the three of them talking. Yes, agreed. Yeah. In retrospect, maybe they are brother and sister, and she's just referring to them having kids like separately in their own lives. Maybe she's uh, not I, referring to them having kids together. I, 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 I don't know how to read that. You know why? Because it's unclear. Because the writing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I like uh, much like Wayne. The best part of the book was the the time the three of them spent together in the in the interpersonal relationships, or you know, even when he and his friend are you know working as janitors at this uh, Life Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Like the the personal interactions are the best. The actual werewolf stuff and the. Uh, um, the the villains uh, are are pretty pretty bad. Yeah, the dialogue is good. The villains are so like two D. There's no depth to a single villain in this book. 
there that is, I think it's like I said that to me was my biggest offense with it is there's nothing to it there's no the villains are just you know poster child villains basically and that's why I found it to be meh it just it didn't catch my attention it wasn't something I really enjoyed I did like some of the I think the dialogue was pretty good in between characters but I'm definitely not in for the next issue and the final page seeing these cyber villains I hate all three designs yeah yeah I would agree with that so so Paul you really hated it, huh? Oh, I hated it. I hated it. I'm out. Like, I, 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 I was out halfway through the issue, but I'm like, no, let me finish reading it because we're talking about it. But I I struggled with this book, and I was not in a bad mood, and I was not drunk. Like, I'm really see. sad about that because with the exception of Werewolf by Night guest appearances in Tomb of Dracula, mm-hmm. I've always been underwhelmed by the stories. Uh, and so I was hoping for something good here. I didn't yeah, pick yeah. it up but I was hoping for something good here. Yeah, I had no idea anyone else here was reading it. I just picked it up later on in the week because I was looking at it. I looked at the preview pages. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. You know, Marvel has a couple of supernatural characters that I, I really do enjoy from a concept level. Obviously, the Midnight Suns. But, you know, I've always enjoyed Moon Knight. And, Aaron, we never talked about the conclusion of that Avengers arc, but I really didn't care for that either. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it had a lot more promise going in and, and did not pay off in the end. Yeah. And and Werewolf by Night is another one of those types of characters, you know, that I lump in that same, you know, Tomb of Dracula, Moon Knight, you know, and probably because they genuinely are <laughs> connected, um, you know, in, in their history. Uh, but they just like I just struggle with the way that Marvel seems to I struggle with the way Marvel seems to struggle to find a good creative team and good way to utilize those characters mm-hmm. i'd agree with that yeah you need to get somebody like a john mayberry yeah. in there to write their horror line you need to get some you know uh you know dc's got joe hill over there you mm-hmm. know doing some oh, doing yeah. some good stuff uh you need to get somebody like a jonathan mayberry in there to write their horror stuff that's what i would do create an imprint like you did uh back in the 90s do a whole midnight suns thing uh i i I, I think that, that they are mismanaging their horror content. Agreed. There's so much just, potential there. Um, you yeah. know, so many good characters that really could be utilized. And they just, like you said, they, they need a showrunner yeah. and an yeah, imprint to right. really make it work. Stop trying to put Dracula nothing. in Avengers or X-Men. You know, just do with the horror line. Because yeah. there's definitely nothing horrific about Werewolf by Night. It's just a superhero book. And yeah. it happens to be a superhero as a werewolf. There's nothing, you know, of the horror genre about it. Wow. I'm sorry you guys were disappointed in Werewolf by Night. I, I appreciate you being my uh, canary in the coal mine there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was on the fence about picking up uh, Dune House Atreides uh, from Boom Studios this week. Uh, I am a huge Dune fan, but was really concerned about how long the series was going to go on. I can't tell you how many times I've seen comic book adaptations of novels uh, that never make it to the end. Uh, because they, they they plot these things out too far. But this is a 12-issue maxi-series uh, written by the actual authors of the novel, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. And what, what brought me on board, what convinced me to pick it up this week, was that Andrew was going to read it too. So uh, I, I jumped in. And Andrew, I'm really curious. Uh, have you read the Dune House of Trades uh, novel? Yes, I've I've read, you know, all of Frank Herbert's Dune novels. I've read um, certainly, I think, through the Butlerian Jihad of the prequels that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, his son, Brian and Kevin J. Anderson have put out yeah. together. Um, I've seen movies, seen the miniseries. Uh, I'm I'm a pretty big Dune fan. Same here. Same here. This is why, uh, you know, I'll be firing Paul from the podcast soon. And uh, it'll be uh, funny books with Aaron and Andrew. All right, just make sure and Warhammer, <laughs> Warhammer, and <laughs> Warhammer, dude. <laughs> just make sure you let him go on a Friday. That's right. I will absolutely at absolutely. the beginning of the day. Don't make me work yeah. all day for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, first off, I, you know, I say I've never heard of. Uh, I'm not familiar, I should say, with Dev uh, Pramanik, who does the illustrations. But I, I love the art. The yeah. art in this book is beautiful. Well, and the covers were great. You know, you you had on the uh, the main cover was a Jay Lee June Chung cover, uh, but you had variants by Dan Moore, uh, Jay Lee as well, and Paul Pope. And those were, I mean, all the covers were just gorgeous. And where did you see the? Did you look them up online to see the alternative variant? Yeah, cover? I, 
I went to the boom site and, gotcha. and looked at their, uh, at what they released. I, I put it in our stories on Instagram, but, uh, yeah, there were, there were some really uh, sharp looking covers. Yeah. So, uh, love the art. Art's beautiful. And essentially it's a very faithful, uh, you know, almost scene by scene retelling of the book Dune House Atreides. So, I mean, there's nothing different. There was no big deviation. There was no, uh, uh, kind of, um, underlying story that they've inserted here that wasn't in the actual novel so far so you know uh i, I it has been a very long time since i read the novel uh because i read it right when it first came out mm-hmm. uh, but i you know i loves me some dune and you know this this story is not about paul atreides it's about his father duke leto in yes. fact kind of picks up with duke leto at about the same age that we pick up with paul in the original dune novel and you know tells the story of the politics of of the empire uh, during his father's youth so you're meeting characters much earlier on uh, and you really see a a different interpretation of these characters like you know we all uh, you know, know Vladimir Harkonnen, you know, Baron Harkonnen, you know, and, and, uh, you know, he's generally, you know, this sort of, you know, blobby, you know, morbidly obese guy. Well, that is not the, the character we meet in this book because, you know, he's a very handsome young man, uh, in, in, in the, at this point in his life. And so one of the things that we're going to get to learn through the story is how he makes the change from, uh, you know, physically attractive, uh, uh, Baron, uh, Harkonnen to, uh, the, the rather gruesome character that he later becomes. And that's sort of the story that we see with all of this. You know, we meet, you know, emperor, you know, the, the man who will become emperor Shaddam the fourth, we meet him as a young man. Yes. Uh, so I, I got to tell you, one of the things I was I was really taken by in this book is the the manner in which the story is being told is that there's a lot of internal dialogue, which is very reminiscent to me of the David Lynch uh, film film. Yeah. Uh, You know, so I keep hearing, you know, when when there's some of this internal dialoguing going on, I'm like. I'm usually out in the dirt or tromping through swamps on a planet where nobody else wants to be. <laughs> you know, it's my better judgment. I like this Duke. You know, <laughs> uh, I, 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 as as someone who very much enjoys both versions of the David Lynch Dune, uh, that did not bother me at all. In fact, no. it was very welcome. Uh, so I, I, I dug this book. I, I'm in. I'm in for all twelve issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I somewhat have the issue that uh, Tim will often mention in the prequels is that I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I know where these people end up. Uh, like, I know what's going to happen with Elrude. You know, you know what's going to happen with Vladimir. Uh, you know what's going to happen with Leto. Um, but, you know, the art is so gorgeous. that I am definitely uh, picking up uh, the, the, the rest of the series. Well, and um, even more so, you know what's going to happen because you've read the novel. Right. I mean, not only not only did you read the core novel of which this is a prequel, you've read the actual prequel novel. So you do know. But it is interesting to see it being told in a in a graphic format because, you know, there will never be a movie of this. But it sure is nice to see it in this other format and have it have another way to enjoy it. And the fact that, it, you know, it it, it certainly appears that the uh, publisher has put a lot of resources on the table, you know, a lot of top tier talent working on this book. Yes. And, and, you know, it's a it's a good story. And it's been more than a few years since I read House of Trades as well. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm like, there's I'm sure there are kind of more minor parts. I can't wait to see the visual dispic- uh, depiction they put out of uh, of nine X. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the machine planet where, you know, uh-huh. uh, the young Paul is is headed off to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm very interested to. Uh, um, oh, not young Paul. I'm sorry. Young Leto is headed yeah. off to. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in for it and, uh, I'm looking forward to the next one and it's, it's a gorgeous book. I just, I just wish they put the variant covers, uh, in the comiXology download. I, I agree. I, I think that that is a miss and, and that's generally something I complain about every time. Uh, but you know, I did, I did have the forethought to go looking for it because yeah. you know, I saw, I saw all the variant covers and I'm like, well, why are the hell, why the hell aren't these in, in my book? Give, give me them covers. <laughs> So yeah, uh, big thumbs up for Dune. I I, I recommend it. So uh, you know you, you know who you know who this. Go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I was gonna say you know who this book would be perfect for, Aaron. Paul. Paul. No. Paul should read this book. Yeah. I, I, I may read it in trade on a sale. Um, 
You know, because that's, I, I will say this morning, before we got on the podcast, I, I usually avoid sales because I have a hard enough time keeping up with the shit I buy on a weekly basis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, since uh, I, I did pick up Fantastic Four full price. Um, <laughs> but uh, they also have um, all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle IDW books on sale for 50% off. And I didn't pick up any of those, but IDW did reprints of the original Eastman and Laird. Yeah. Um, books and they're all fifty percent off. So I picked I picked really? up a uh, you know a couple of trade paperbacks there because next week, um, the you know a, a while back, uh, Eastman and Laird. I, I think it was the toy. I think it was the shows that made us or the toys that made us or something like toys. that. The toys that made us um, had an episode about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Eastman and Laird kind of rekindled their friendship during the filming of that episode you know they had a falling out way back when um the turtles were sold to nickelodeon and they've rekindled they rekindled their friendship and they brought back uh, a concept a project that they never got to complete uh, in teenage Ninja turtles called the last ronin basically uh they're they're dark knight returns of the teenage Mutant Ninja turtles and issue one comes out next week um advanced reviews if they can believe or be believed, um, I think Newsarama now Games Radar gave it like a ten out of ten. Like they say, it's fantastic. Um, so Kevin, yeah, and Eastman you're not supposed with. to know which turtle it is because he's taking the weapons of his fallen brothers. Yeah. So that so, comes out so, next week. The first issue. So you're saying that the Eastman and Laird black and white from like the '80s is fifty percent off right now? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go buy those. Yeah, look for uh, I think it's called like Teenage Ninja Turtles the the Black and White Collections or something like that. All right. Yeah, I, I well, loved I will, those books. I will definitely pick up the Last Ronin next week too. If yeah. Picking it up. Now here's the only bad thing about the Last Ronin, especially since I just bought like Teenage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle trades that collect a number of issues for like three ninety nine. Issue one of the Last Ronin is. Wait, eight... can, can I guess? Can go I ahead. guess? Go ahead. Um, six ninety nine. Eight ninety nine. Oh, <laughs> oh! Eastman and Laird got to get paid. <laughs> um, it is an oversized issue, uh, but I, I, I'm a, I don't even care. Like I've been very much looking forward to this book. I will absolutely be picking it up. I was a huge fan of the Turtles back in the eighties. Yeah. Huge. If I can fan. spend that on Nightwing this week, I can spend <laughs> it on Airpoint. Turtles next week. Well. Yeah. Also next week, from Marvel Comics, we have new issues of Strange Academy, uh, Shang-Chi. Aaron, are, are, are we still in on Shang-Chi? I don't remember if I we am. were in. I am. I, I was, I was uh, lukewarm on issue one, but I was gonna, it was good enough to give me an issue two. Okay. We also have uh, the newest issue of Doctor Doom uh, from, from Marvel Comics. Very exciting. And from DC Comics, it's going to be a pricey week, gentlemen, because oh, we have... The final issue of Three Jokers. Batman Three Jokers issue three comes out next week. Oof. As well as the final issue of Batgirl for people who care about those kinds of things. <laughs> it's a giant-sized final issue. It's Batgirl issue 50. And plus, Mando season two starts on Friday. Mando uh, season two starts this coming Friday, October 30th. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah, very exciting. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books and next week's books and all the books in between. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. And, Paul, I learned something this week about our phone number. It receives texts. What? I actually got a text this week. What? So, Someone texted yeah, had, you? Yeah. Yeah, was, was it, it was it a, a wrong number? It was. was it but Nigerian I, Prince. I, it wasn't that Nigerian Prince. He's he needs some help. But <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we get texts there, so you can text us there at the uh, Ideology of Hotline as well. <laughs> you can also hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, username I O M Geek. Very good. Well, all right. Guys, we're going to do it all over again next week with uh, hopefully uh, some better books. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to y'all then. See ya. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>